This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. It is the day after Christmas, 2020. Holy moly. I'm here with my friend Tara Sheehan. I drove pretty much uh, about four hours, I, I, which I was not expecting, but I knew ever since months ago that this would happen. And um, I have been calling you my bison shaman. <laughs> That's what I've been calling her. And she's obviously much more than that. And there's kind of a crazy story of how we're connected. I'll say a mutual friend that invited me, threw out the idea once that I could live on their property in a, near the river in a teepee, um, connected me to Tara. And for some reason, y'all were, maybe you were working with someone that was creating a documentary about buffalo or bison or something, but somehow um, you, it was very clear that this, um, this amazing woman is a crusader for like the well-being and the awareness of what bison is and what it means to America and what it means to the world and what it means to you personally and in such esoteric ways that I'm like, I'm not even sure um, what she's saying literally, but I know it feels right in my body. And I don't even know what came first with this like bison liver and that first conversation we had, but you've been a, an undeniable catalyst for the cultivation and the creation of this supplements that we just got to share together of the bison liver and the bison heart. And I'm so curious to hear your response of what that brings up for you and how you could maybe even create more clarity of how we know each other in your opinion and what it is with you and the bison that you want other people to know about as well. Aho. Haye. Um, oh, Daniel, I'm just, um, I'm really blown away by how our conversation started um, around the bison and your desire to bring these energies, you know, the spirit of the bison through a capsule to the world. And um, yeah, we met through our friend Oriana and then her friend Deborah was making a movie um, about the Lakota people. And um, I'll think of the movie name as we're going along. <clears throat> um, but my own connection to the bison, gee, we always think, gosh, how many, did it start lifetimes ago because I'll have to say my my first memory of, of bison was driving from Brockenridge down to Colorado Springs to visit my grandparents. And we would go through South Park, it's called, um, and it's over by Hartzell if you went from Brockenridge over the mountain toward Colorado Springs. And I used to look over in this really green um, pastry land just before you get to Hartzell and I felt like I lived in as an Indian there in teepees and and I would just gaze over there and I had a felt sense of home like I, I just felt like that that was my home and I was probably about 11 12 years old and 
And then later I found out that the, the last wild, quote wild, the, you know, not domesticated, still alive bison was actually killed there. Um, the, a Ute elder uh, told, told that to a friend. Um, actually, he might have told it, Roland McCook is his name. And so that was really amazing. So um, then fast forward, um, I got bit by a Lyme tick in my mid-30s. And um, it was a, an awakening to Grandmother Earth, to nature, to Unchimaka, they call her Grandmother Earth, because it was the first time in my life that I slowed down enough to actually pay attention to this unbelievable place, our home. And, and I went through a spiritual awakening during that time. And that, that was my becoming indigenous again, becoming close to nature. Um, so those are, there's a big gap there between 12 years old and then getting Lyme disease. My kids were young, my, my former husband, Casey, um, you know, we were married and I was living in Vermont. And so that brought me back home. And then um, I just reconnected with the great spirit during that time of being sick. Um, I didn't know what to believe. You know how we have an existential crisis when we, when we go down a rabbit hole emotionally or physically into suffering. And we don't know where to turn to to ask for help. And I remember this guy, George Shank, who was making a wood-fired oven for me, said, you know, you could believe in the great spirit. I said, what's the great spirit? He said, it's the energy that moves through all things. And I said, oh, wow. He said, people call it God, but they call it great spirit because it's actually everywhere and in everything. And so I'm just talking really about how we connect with, with you know, how, how I, my path led me to bison. From there, you know, grandmother earth, connecting to grandmother earth, I started, uh, being curious about the Indians. So where are the people that are connecting us to Grandmother Earth? Where are they? We need to meet them. We need to, I, I need to learn. Where's my teacher? And, um, and then that brought me to the Lakota people. Um, and I lived with, on Pine Ridge with um, a family there. And then, and then I started to learn the story of the bison, the real story of the bison. The bison and the people were really there's a oneness right because when you're eating bison you're living in a teepee everything you were made everything that you have it, it's you're a bison <laughs> all the people and it wasn't just the lakota it was a ute it was the navajo it was you know there were a hundred million bison all over great turtle island north america right it took five days to go through a herd of bison and so, you know, learning about, like, they were everywhere in the Great Plains, and, and, and then where'd they go? And, you know, the, the story of the people disappearing, you know, being annihilated, one dead bison, you know, a dead Indian's a dead bison, right? Because you can take their land, and you can have everything that they possess, you know, their gold and their materialism, you know. And so I just... I kind of unraveled the story, but but even it was like as as I was learning about the the kind of the sadness and the history of that, but there's always a richness in their spirituality of connecting with nature, the sweat lodges and the vision quests and 
And so, you know, I just, I just, it, it's like you, Daniel, it's like you, you sort of, um, you bathe in the experience of, of what you're learning. You don't learn it cerebrally, you learn it, 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 it through, you live it, you become it, right? So I'm learning about the people, the spirit, you know, the reconnection with grandmother earth. And then, and then all of a sudden these bison start coming into my field a lot. Um, and, and you know, they want to come back. They want to, they want to help us. They, they, they're land healers and they pooped everywhere and, <laughs> and they nourished grandmother earth. And so, um, just being with the Indians, I, I, you know, the, 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 the sweat lodge they used to take, this is from Scott Redhorse, you know, Chris Bald Eagle was one of my medicine teachers and Phyllis Bald Eagle and, and Lloyd and, and, uh, Floyd Little Crow and, um, and so what I learned is, um, you know, that they used to also wear the bison robes and they'd go to the sweat lodge and they'd put them on the sweat lodge, right? And then they'd go in there into the womb of Grandmother Earth where I spent time learning about banking rock and water and all that. But, you know, the bison were so infused in everything. Like now you're touched, right? It's a powerful medicine. It's a really powerful medicine. And I, and I feel like through me and through the scientific understanding of how the bison literally fertilize Great Turtle Island and we can create a greenhouse effect through their reintroduction, much like the Amazon, you know? So, so that's kind of how my, my path is, is going is educating people spiritually and, and scientifically about why it's important for them to come back. Well, real quickly, I think is your is the microphone touching your chin just logistically? Is it is that what's happening? Is it touching your? Can you say something else now? How's that? I think that it was something was rubbing a little bit. Okay, I was hearing, gotcha. and that was definitely like rubbing my mind and heart <laughs> to understand more what I've gotten myself into. I feel like a um, real hurt, like a support of a herd since I've started this project. It's as um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I feel like a part of a bison herd. Mm -hmm. And I've said something similar when one of my friends that's helping me create the afterword for Breaking Normal was asking me to tell him about this tribe vitamin project. <clears throat> and I was explaining like, yeah, I think like the bison want to roam free and they're calling me. <laughs> and I've learned through this, uh, creating the prototype out from the Kickstarter and now we're actually creating more bottles um, and this support just keeps going. We are only working with suppliers that do not take the bison to like feed lot. They're, they're grass finished all the way, grass fed, grass finished all the way. And we're basically buying their byproducts um, for now on this project. But in the meantime, I think I'm bringing a, a massive amounts of awareness of what the bison means to me and to others. Um, for not only for myself, but many others. And there is something extremely adaptogenic about me consuming what I have. Um, and, not, and I'm hearing testimonies like all over the boards. And it seems like there's like this, it's like an indigenous adaptogenic um, medicine of sorts so far in my just limited experience and being willing to explore out loud accurately. Like that's one of my aims in life is to be like a reporter for what's happening for me. And I'm taken back right now with this project. And to, so I like love hearing you talk about 
everything you've said. So if you want to expound any more about where you were at, I'm happy to hear more. Well, you know what comes to me uh, is think about this. Um, this is just what came to me while you're talking. So the bison robes were worn as, imagine this set. So if you had a bison robe, you could go and be in any weather, right? You could go through a blizzard and all that. So having that bison robe, you become a bison, right? The warmth, the spirit, and everything of the bison, and that all-encompassing, like, your home, your protection, um, your nourishment, that's what is the history of Great Turtle Island, that that animal lived here for, they say, millions of years, right? And so when you're talking about your, your vitamins, your medicines, it, it's, it's such an, for me to, to know this, like it's such an empowering animal. I mean, when they, when they, um, when the Indians went and lived on the reservations, the first thing they did is they took their bison robes away. Why? Because they could escape and they could go live in the forest and they could hunt and, you know, it was, it was their protection. And so, you know, that when you're taking something that is, um, cause you're getting the spirit of everything, you know, like when you take when you eat food, you become the food. When you, you know, a lot of people are doing plant medicines now, you become the consciousness of the things you're taking. And the bison is, it's not domesticated. It's still, we call it wild, but it's actually natural. And so what in us do we want to undomesticate? What in our consciousness do we want to rewild? Do we want to, and, and I believe that that's why these medicines are coming. That's what you're, tapping into when you create this medicine is um, freedom to roam, freedom to roam, freedom to be authentically who I am. And and these medicines do do that. You know, I remember when I was training for the Olympics in cross-country skiing and I was, I I started that journey after, you know, Lyme disease. I was guided by the great spirit to try out for the Olympics again. It was my second time. And, um, you know, it was really uh, 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 the the everything that I put in my body to become strong made made a huge difference, and um, and so you know I feel like um, the creatines in in quote you know wild animals, and they were saying to me eat a lot of you know I was eating bison I was eating you know. Um, uh, wild birds and things like that, because I had a lot of creatine, the ability to run away from a predator, right? And so all these these medicines are, are giving us all those things that we lack when we got d- domesticated. And I think we don't want to be that anymore. We don't want to be it in our, in our, in our society where we're conditioned to live in a box and, and, and become what other people desire us to be. I think we want to have free expression of our true self. And, you know, the bison is such a metaphor for that because it hasn't ever been domesticated. It's such a powerful animal. And it is a herd animal. They say that the bison, when they protect their young, you know, they face out and they circle around their babies, right? Bring it on, bring it on.
It and, is so appropriate right? in my life in so many ways. And I think I figured it out. I think if, if that is what it is, that cord that's touching your collar, if you undo the zipper a little bit or, yeah, that's where I think then feedback's coming from. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I want to hear more about that because that's the most right now. The organ complex industry is um, really blowing up on Amazon and online sales, and I think rightfully so. Like, if someone can do this with cows and get the best of the cows in desiccated form that people can microdose on the daily, there's going to be great results. But I do tend to like my mission here is beyond that. My mission is what you're saying. I tend to believe like the bison is the symbolic form of our freedom of expression. And right now that's trying to be taken away from us, in my opinion, <laughs> on scary levels. You mentioned the training for the Olympics for the cross-country skiing. The family that I was with yesterday that was expressing to me, and they'll be on the previous podcast, the previous interview with this, Elise and Earhart, were like, they believe they escaped a like a communistic society when they were very young and they came to America and she was like training for diathlon type of Olympic events as well and they were really expressing their concern about what's happening right now they're they're actually the family they got kicked off the United flight they're like world famous right now because their two and a half year old daughter wouldn't wear the mask properly and they got kicked off this flight and it's a kind of alarming times it's alarming times in the sense that I imagine my grandparents that survived the Holocaust so I could be here by like creating a potato garden under a graveyard. They did not listen to authorities. They did not like fit in like I imagine like a cow would compared to like what a bison and all the issues that are, arise when someone tries to even domesticate a bison. I've heard all kinds of crazy, like the bison are not even regulated by the USDA. It's like an exotic animal and bison are not cows. And I've learned that a lot of people, I think 90 plus percent of bison farmers right now do finish them on grain and kind of treat like them like cows at the end. And I, 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 whatever that brings up for you, but there's something here about the symbol of the bison that's very important to me right now at this time of what's going on with our current culture. Yeah, that's really cool. You make that association um, because it is representative of what we can restore in nature, Grandmother Earth. And then, of course, whenever we're restoring something in that way, we're restoring the consciousness of it, right? That, that, that the bison, they follow the ley lines of Unchimaka, Grandmother Earth. They, they're healers because they're still connected. And what we call wild animals, they don't move just because they move in, there, there's something to it. You know, the way antelope and all these other um, animals are grazing because they're, they're healers. And, and again, I, I, I feel like it, it heals something in us. And, um, and they all, you know, there's this prophecy, call it, um, that when the bison return, the spirit of the indigenous people returns as well. And we're all indigenous. We all, through our lineage, if we go back, like mine from Mongolia, you know, I had... My great-great-grandmother was, she always would say to me in my meditations, I'm from the north of like Mongolia. And that was a time that they lived close to the earth and, and, um, and really deeply connected and never taking more than, than they needed. And, and also, like you're talking about herds, that we were tribal and we were only strong as our weakest link. 
and we took care of everybody. And so I think that that's the consciousness of, of what you're bringing by understanding the nature of the animal and, and being present with them. And um, you're right, you know, the, there are the rights that are taken away, but nobody can take away my right to, um, to love myself, to, um, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm really big on this part. I'm, I'm really big on if we all have a practice of um, self-actualization, like loving the, who I am, um, and then understanding like what a human being is and how we became the way we did, then we actually start becoming students of looking at uh, other things. You know, I, I, I love from learning about our indigenous um, wisdom traditions, we went out and we learned from grass and clouds and and rocks and water and there's so much about that 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 we can learn instead of looking to these um, whoever talks the loudest whoever has the most power whoever's going to purport to lead me down a you know a a, a delusion I, I want I want to my friend Ayelet wrote this book fuck the bucket list. Um, discovering the wonder of you and it's really um you know it's it's like a bison they're 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 hardwired there's a very deep uh primal wisdom about how they s survive and thrive and we gotta find that as human beings by really drilling down and finding that inner wisdom voice so that I don't know what's right for you, Daniel, but if I tap in in that silent place, slow my breath down, and I really listen to my deep driving desires, then I'm creating from a place of, of just like wild excitement because that's authentic to me and I've unleashed the truth of who I am. And, and I think the natural outgrowth of that is that when I... It's like they say, you know, the oxygen mask. When you, when you, when you feed yourself the oxygen, then you can help others. And then I think, as human beings, it's like why we met. Because my my deep driving desire was help you actualize this. Why would I, you know, like Daniel, you're talking about it. And then, I mean, keep going. Go get the bottle. Put that label on it, because it's resonating with something deep inside you to, to, to birth this. And who knows what? You and to right? be to clarify, you did. I remember you saying that. Like, <laughs> go get the bottle and put the label on it. And I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. And that really, <laughs> you you have definitely been. Our meeting has definitely been majorly obvious because of tribe vitamins creation thus far i'm quite amazed yeah but it was in your it, it's there's something in your soul that wants to not only give people something that's going to nourish them and activate because these are activators i believe this is an activator medicine because you know our body is a pharmacy and sometimes we have to remind it, oh, yeah, I can make more of dopamine, serotonin, or whatever it is. And these are activator medicines. Um, but then you're going beyond that. You're going beyond by understanding, well, where'd the bison go? And what about the indigenous people? And, you know, what did we do? And, you know, learning the history and, and also being deeply respectful of um, how you're 
you're bringing this to market by, you know, going in and visiting the people and finding the best consciousness to people that are treating the animals in a really good way. Um, there's no, you know, the, that, I mean, you can talk a little bit about that, the people that are actually, you're sourcing your, your medicine from. Yeah, there's a, there's a handful, I would say there's like a less than 10% left. Like there's a handful of people left that are sticking to the ethos that bison do not need to be supplemented on grain for the sexier. They don't need that inflammation response. And, they, and it's actually arguably bad. And especially if I was going to buy organ meat such as the liver, I want an animal that was stressed as least as possible. And there, there's, a, there's a few suppliers left, and most of the ones I've talked to, they want to support this fully. They've actually made exceptions instead of selling it to a pet food company. Like, all right, I'll sell this year's supply to you. Because I think there are some pet food companies that, once again, they don't care if it's grain finished or not. They just want to get all of it that they can to really for scalability. And I actually don't know how this is going to be scalable other than the 80-plus percent of other bison ranchers decide maybe not to take the bison to a, uh, a feedlot or finishing them on grain. Maybe just not doing that step. Maybe not feeding them subsidized grain from the government and treating this wild animal like, the, like a domesticated one, a foreign domesticated one, because it's not. I feel like I, there's something going on in the world and I want to connect with what knows how to thrive on this land to like really remember the roots and yeah and, and the bison are what's doing that and i think this project might shift the other people there bison farmers to consider that more as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it is um it, it, it's to educate people so so when i when i was living with the lakota people um, I also got connected with the Savory Institute. And I want to say my friend Lawrence Bloom connected me with the Savory Institute. And Alan Savory's um, work is is restoring the soil, right? With because when you when you increase the numbers of animals, I don't know if it, it might be interesting for your listeners. So Alan Savory was working for the as a biologist in Africa, and he somehow thought that the elephant were the reason that the desertification was happening too many elephants and so he there's a ted talk about it so he um the government killed and i'm i don't want to say the number out loud a lot of elephants and he actually realized it was opposite there weren't enough grazing animals on the land that's why it was turning into a desert and so he started uh, uh bringing back uh, the animals particularly animals that are you know that um that lived on that land and um, saw how fast they restored the land, all the poop, you know, then the poop, when they, they fertilize the land, then these other animals come in unity, you know, like for the bison, it's the prairie hens and, um, and then the, then, then they're eaten by the wolves or the coyotes. And then, you know, you bring back the keystone species, some of these bigger animals, like if there's that wonderful, um, it's called a tropic cascade in Yellowstone when they reintroduce the wolves. So it's that it's that biodiversity, right? That that acts um, to heal the land, and then the in the Great Plains and a lot of these grasslands where the bison roamed, the grasses were 25 feet deep, and they held the soil. 
So you've heard about the the um, the Dust Bowl. Well, it's because they pulled up and they made farmland out of all the, they pulled up the bison grass that held the soil and then all the soil blew away. And so the there's this, this wonderful um, scientific, which you're tapping into because you, now you're raising awareness about bison. Um, and, you know, the Savory Institute, Alan Savory says this is an absolute cure to global warming because when you restore the grasslands, you sequester carbon. And so when you're sequestering carbon, right, you're not heating up. And Scott Redhorse, um, who I was with for four years, and we did a lot of educating, he said, Grandmother Earth, it's, she's got a wound. When all the bison were, were killed, it's like an open wound. And so, she's, and so what do you do when you have a wound? What does your body do when it, it, it starts heating up, right? It gets hot. And so what do we do to the wound that we've, the, all the wounds we've created on Grandmother Earth? Because she's a living being. Well, we've got to restore the rainforest. We restore the, the grasslands and restore the animals and restore the web of life and restore the part in us that wants to live in unity with it and not be afraid of these keystone species, they call them, you know, the wolves and all that. Because that's a bunch of bullshit, you know, like, <laughs> a wolf's not going to come and take my child when it's got a million antelope to eat or deer or things like that, right? I mean, we, we've just got this kind of illusion, too, about wild animals. And when they have enough food, man, they're not going to be looking at human beings. And so I just love the research and the science. My friend Brooke Levan in Sustainable Settings, he potentized, with the bio, did biodynamics, you know, potentizes land with bison and different parts of the bison. And now the soil count of microorganisms off the charts. They, they, it was through some, I think, University of, um, of uh, CSU, they were testing his soil. And after he potentized with bison, they said, we don't even have, we can't even measure how many microorganisms are in your soil now. Like, it's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. So my feeling is that, so I'm, I'm about breathwork, right? We talked about this. Man, I and, love that. And please feel free to elaborate, because <laughs> I want to say that, um, especially going through my new life transition of being in a marriage, um, raising my daughter to a um, co-parenting situation, and I remember one of my friends asked me, like, well, hey, what's the best thing that you do for yourself that you can do every day? Like, when he heard all this, and I was like, uh, and it was like, oh, my breath work, my breath work. And he's like, can you do that every day from now on? And I was like, man, <laughs> it felt like a good ask. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the one I would do. That's the one I would do every day. And I, I've probably done a, a breath work, we can call it that. And I would be, I'm curious to learn more about that from your perspective as well. And for other people to potentially be inspired to maybe to do their breath work on tribe vitamins. <laughs> um, but I've probably done it like 550 days out of the last 600 or so. And those days that I didn't do it, those were some, uh, there's a reason I've been that consistent. It's very important to me. I'm wondering why it's so important to you. And I wonder if that has anything to do with this whole bison <laughs> evolution as well. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So breath work, um, 
particularly, so we're designed to breathe through our nose, right? And we look at a bison, look at all these animals in nature, right? Everything has a big nose. Guess what? Human beings have a gigantic nose. What do we breathe through? Our mouth. What happens when I am a mouth breather, right? An animal does that when they're running from danger. <laughs> and so I learned a lot of this from Dr. John DeYard when I was training for the Olympics and trying to be the best. And I actually started using nose breathing and became one of the fastest skiers in the country in two and a half years using all the lobes of my lungs. And it's also meditative breath because when you breathe your nose, you can access the lower lobes of the lungs. You get more oxygen and then you start to secrete feel-good hormones and dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. So feel-good hormones feel good. And then I actually feel good in my nervous system and I calm my nervous system. So I do hard exhaling in the morning for a long period of time to activate nitric oxide. Hard exhaling. Hard exhaling. Okay, <laughs> tell me more because I, yeah, I have my certain ritual and I, some people that listen to this might know. It's basically 30, I do 30, three rounds of 33 deep breaths, like almost Wim Hof style hyperventilation and then hold my breath, first set, out breath, hold my breath, in breath, second set, do the push-ups in the third set. And then I do three rounds of hard exhaling out of my nose only. And then on, and I hold my breath on the thirtieth one, and then I practice gratitude. I mean, that's a long story short. So I'm curious if you have any reasons why I'm doing that, and or why you're doing hard exhaling. This is just so happens to be a subject I'm so passionate about that I could probably dive into the details because this podcast is what's most personal, is most universal. So I'm like, tell me more about the specifics of why you're doing hard exhales and whatever else you think is the most potent infotainment for people there wanting to learn more about breath work. Yeah. So, and then I'll tell you why I'm so crazy about breath work. So I do the hard exhaling through the nose because um, I'm, I'm getting a, first of all, the nostrils are opening. Boom, boom, boom. They get really big, right? Nostrils get big when you hard exhale. And then it allows, and that I only breathe through my nose the entire day. I never open my mouth. If you open your mouth, you actually start to secrete cortisol and adrenaline because the moment the mouth gets open, the body thinks, I'm in fight or flight. So I'm microdosing myself with acidic hormones, which are cortisol and adrenaline the moment my mouth drops open. Right, so like crazy so you're, stuff. So I, I, that's great to know about the hard exhaling because right, I just practice it. I'm like, yeah, my nostrils do get huge when I do that. And you're saying you don't. You're throughout the whole day. You breathe throughout your nose. And so if someone's like, well, how and what does that mean? And how do I even do that? How would I? Like I'm, I'm like because I, I breathe through my nose a lot, but I haven't taken it to that level. And I'm imagining I would. Ha how do I hold my mouth to only breathe through my nose? And so if you learn that your nose is designed to the, the breathing apparatus and you learn that every time you open your mouth and you breathe through your mouth and you pant, because that's usually <sighs> that you're, you're, you're microdosing yourself with very acidic hormones and enzymes that are degrading your organs, would you stop breathing through your mouth? You probably would, right? Because you're going to age faster. Your nervous system is going to be nervous all the time and you're acidic, you're not alkaline. So when you nose breathe, you secrete dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, they're alkaline, like vegetables, right? And I love coffee, I love, you know, I, I eat meat, I, I eat a lot of things that are acidic um, and, or drink, and so I wanna alkalize my body. 
And Noah's breathing does it because of the secretion of these, you know, uh, alkalizing en uh, enzymes and hormones. And then the other thing is, is about nose breathing. You can only access the bottom lobes of your lungs through the nose. You can't do it through the mouth. So like right now, take an inhale just through your mouth. And now exhale just through your mouth. Now show me with your hand how far you've, your lungs, like empty your lungs. Like just right below our Stern. chest, right? A little above our navel. Now take a big inhale through your nose. Right? Whoa, like almost feels like below my navel. And now exhale through your nose and pull your navel towards your spine. Pull your navel towards your spine. Now squeeze your, your navel towards your spine. Hold your breath for three counts. Slowly inhale through your nose from your very navel up to your upper chest. And now just relax and breathe through your nose. And tell me how you feel now. Yeah, I'd probably say I feel a bit better than before. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the continuous aim of my experience. <laughs> so not only did we fill our body with much more oxygen and then detox. They call it detox because CO2 isn't a bad thing. The trees are using it for oxygen, but that's what we're exhaling. So the more we exhale, the more we can inhale, right? And so I'm actually feeding my body more oxygen by breathing through my nose. Oxygen is energy. And so there's a certain euphoric feeling that comes from nose breathing. And I want people to feel euphoric. Why? Because not only do we get along better, but my big dream is that we're gonna have these herds of bison that are land healers, and they're gonna migrate without fences. They're gonna have that freedom to roam. And the only way we're gonna get there is if we elevate our consciousness to see and believe that this is possible. And so by teaching people how to breathe, we dissolve limitation. And then we actually go into these higher forms of realization that we can have, like I say, massive herds of bison roaming grandmother earth in deep respect and honoring of this web of life, restoring this web of life. And, you know, the Ute called, you know how we have a lot of barbed wire. I think we have barbed wire in our mind too, because we're limited, we're kind of domesticated and conditioned. They, they, they called it the devil's rope. So I have this vision that we, like Yvonne Chouinard and um, um, what's his name, Chris, Chris and um, oh, let me just I'm blanking in Argentina or in Chile, they Tompkins, Doug and Chrissy Tompkins, they're rolling up all the barbed wire because they're buying back the land to give to the Chilean government to allow the restoration of of uh, the 
the land, the biodiversity down there. And I feel the same can be possible here is that as we see that it's better to free these giant herds of bison and we start rolling up the devil's rope, uh, you know, this, this, that again, that's connected to us as human beings. The freedom to roam is for us to then live in unity with all these beautiful species of animals and plants and trees and all that. And so that's why I, I'm wild about the breath work because it creates uh, a real limitless consciousness and a feel good feeling so that we make good relations and we become indigenous again. You reconnect with our indigenous spirit because of breaking normal the book i'm creating this afterward breaking the new normal i've been really aiming to visualize like it might maybe i would re even create a new front cover because i've i've gone through a new experience in my life and maybe that could be metaphorical to this idea of bison not only roaming free but roaming free be, like without fences i mean this is a radical idea um and, that, and we've played around with different ways to express the ethos of tribe vitamins. And it was like before fences, before pharmacies, finances, fertilizers, there, there were, there's medicine. There was medicine as well. And my hunch is that the liver and the heart of bison were some of the main medicines of people that lived free on these lands before government. And it's, it's so fun for me to hear you express all these things. It's there. It's just so beautiful. And you mentioned that you had elk stew on the radar, and that's the third thing we're playing with right now is um, wild elk liver. There's these, um, in certain parts of Texas, there's these ranches that have huge ranches. And allegedly, they uh, elk have started going crazy on them on these ranches and they're, they're so much crazy that they're it's like not farming but they're like hiring this company that is hunting under the standards where they can control the population of elk and sell the wild meat so we have uh, the next product is the wild elk liver and I'm like, here you go. You have elk on the radar. How does I have ne I've like I've never even heard you talk about elk. I'm like, how does this relate to you for all this? <laughs> how does the elk relate to this story as well? <laughs> oh, this is so cool. Um, well, uh, oh, and I I just want to not a plug, but I teach Breathe Lab. Dot com is the way I teach my breath work. Breathe Lab? Um, BreatheLab.com. Okay. Because I, I have Great. a pretty simple protocol. So if any of the listeners want to go on and look Please. at BreatheLab.com or, you know, just um, through this podcast, they if they want to learn more about holotropic breath work, which is that hard exhaling we're talking about, lots of microdosing ourselves with feel-good hormones, including DMT, by the way. Um, but I want to give a little directional about that. So I am so blessed because we met through Oriana and 13 Moons Ranch over in Carbondale. That's who introduced us. And her incredible husband, Tyler, he, um, he, I'm, I'm blessed to get elk meat from him because he went out and hunted and that's his elk that's in the, in the, ja, in the, ja. Come in on. the oven and last year he took that an elk and he was so amazing the way he took it because he saw 
I think there were three male elk, and you know, he could have taken the one that looked the the burliest, you know, the strongest, but he didn't. He noticed one of them had a little bit of a limp, and he ended up taking that one, and it was near their home, and it was so ceremonial the way he took it. I remember Oriana, she saged him off before he went hunting, and so there's a real honoring on how he hunted the elk, took the elk, and I also want to share this. So he said that he, he shot the elk, and then he went and got his family, and they all came around the elk, um, it's a different one than the ones that's in the oven, but this is how he, he took the elk. And that elk, as it was dying, it raised its um, antlers up and back. And, and they said they could, felt like they saw the spirit of the elk leave the elk's body. It was so profound, the experience. And so it's, I love when people honor the animal and, and then it's, it's taken in that way. And I swear, I was eating that elk and I felt this aliveness in the meat when I was cooking it. It was unbelievable. And then he took one just recently again, and I was there when um, they were preparing it, you know, and, and that, that's what we have tonight. And, and it's just, again, it's just that that energy of an animal that I just love it. Like, you know, the elk, they're, they're eating, you know, juniper berries and grasses and they're out in the moonlight and, you know, and, and so are cows. I mean, I love cows. Oh my God. I remember the bison, when I did a ceremony once, the bison said, don't eat us until we come back more, you know, and that's just me, right? So eat the cows. I so honor the cows. Oh my God. And all the ranchers that have this grass. -fed. I mean, thank you for that meat. I just, it's precious. Um, but the elk, yeah, same thing. It's just got this energy of, um, again, that it's natural. It's, it's not domesticated. And then it's also eating, you know, so many different things. And, and I love that about, you know, they, they can nibble on some mushrooms, you know, they can, you know, eat a little bit of the juniper and the different kinds of grasses and all that. So um, that aliveness in the meat, I feel like we, we taste it. So I made a really yummy elk stew in honor of you being here. Wow. <laughs> I'm so excited um, uh, to, to experience that with you. Where are we? Oh, 45 minutes in there. Okay, cool. This is just such a... Uh, this this future had been remembered in the past, and living it is even better than I anticipated. So thank you, <laughs> and like to know that you have wild elk stew on the stove there. Oh man, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's also brought me like a lot of attention to everything. That's how the animals are connected to this. Um, land here before there were any ideas of like news and culture and all that stuff it, where there's like this real tribal synergy with the land I've thought about moose like you know my friends up there in Breckenridge that I stayed with the other night and, it's, and that's so funny that there's this like how did I get on this Breckenridge Col South Colorado Boulder train these last few days I don't know I don't know but it definitely feels like I'm part of a um, a herd Mm -hmm. a herd for humanity mm -hmm. like you and that past couple they are breaking normal in the best of ways and uh, it's an honor to sit here with you and talk about this and if we're aiming to um maintain that one hour and 11 minute creative constraint which i would be excited to so i can you know because i'm ready for some elk liver too yeah, right. um but I, is there anything else that you want to make sure that we include in this encapsulation of what we've talked about thus far you know 
um, I guess the only thing that came to me is so Aiden, my son, is in the other room. And um, it was really cool because uh, in the last few months, he connected with his Nez Pierce, his, his dad, and his dad's was a great great grandmother was a full blooded Nez Pierce. Um, and the reason I say that is so he he really started to connect with that part of his lineage. And I feel like if we um, if we all recognize that through our ancestry we're all part of Grandmother Earth and the uh, the ways that our our ancestors, your ancestors, my ancestors, all of our ancestors, and Scott Redhorse, who I was with, um, and we're you know we're we're codas means friend, co means everything, Fr uh, da means to give, so friends are they give everything, um, and so that I feel like sometimes when we um, we hear, oh, you know, we came and took the Indians' land, and whatever that history is, you know, righting the wrongs. But I think the best part of that is for us to connect to the indigenous through our own ancestral lineage, to know and rest assured for everyone that's listening to this that your ancestors were a part of this biodiversity web of life, and they honored it. And so we can all do that and live that way and listen to the bees and what they want to teach us and the sun and you know even uh, everything's made of grandmother earth right i mean i'll laugh because you know i could pick up a, a this this big lighter that i have here and there's wisdom in it right it's still made of grandmother earth just because you know maybe maybe it's plastic and it may not you know dissolve <laughs> for a long time but yet um it's got consciousness. It's it's made of grandmother earth, and and um and so the more we connect with the wisdom of of they call it mitagwe oyasin, which is that everything's related to us. We're all made of the same life force energy, and we all have that same ability. There, it's not just for a certain people. It's for all humanity. And then, like, you know, before we started this, we smoked tobacco, which is the way that they, you know, made relations. We connected together. And I feel like when we make good relations and we, we, we connect our hearts, then, oh, my God, there's so much that's possible through love. There's so much that's possible through honoring that you are unique and I am unique and to honor the uniqueness in all life is just it's so beautiful and i'm so honored you're here and i can't wait to share and break bread with you for the rest of our life because i'm on this journey i've signed up because i feel like you're bringing something so precious to the vitality and health of human beings and it's what we really need right now and more and more bison let's bring in more bison Aho. i had a lot to say about that but um, maybe more so that more like a speechlessness feeling. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for like making it very true that yes, we have a past that is connected that we have a present that's obviously connected, literally connected right now. And that we have a future that's connected based on the actions that not only we're doing, but the prayers that we're saying.
as we're being present. <laughs> hey, you're awesome. Thank you so much for all of this. Um, just to make sure, because <clears throat> if you want to, if anyone listens to this, like, oh, I would like to reach out to Tara, or I would like to check out her breath work. What's the best way to do that? One more time. The website, actually, there's a couple websites. Ameliorate your life has breathe lab it's there's a little curriculum where people can learn how to do the breath work um and they can i can give them the the link on that if they email me at tara m sheehan t-a-r-a-m-s-h-e-a-h-a-n at gmail.com because there's a whole wonderful and super simple um protocol I have on Ameliorate Your Life, which is an at-home wellness platform, and then breathelab.com, and it's B-R-E-A-T-H-E-L-A-B.com. And then, um, yeah, and feel free to email me if you want to know more. And um, yeah, I have a I have land south of where we are now called Onia, which means to breathe in Lakota language. And my vision is to create this virtual breathe lab school to elevate humanity from the comfort of my own home and hopefully bison and then i'll be helping you create more and more medicine yeah and we'll include that in all the show notes and yeah i'm excited to yeah have another ceremony i mean you mentioned the tobacco thing that's one thing i might let's just let's treat this as a little outro because this is was our intro before recording that um, that wasn't uh, probably the most breaking normal way I've ever smoked tobacco with anyone. And it wasn't like from a cigarette. Can you give like the golden thread of what that was about for people that might be curious? Because for the sake of synchronicity, a person that's very special in my life historically and currently um, because of the connection she has with my family, um, she, when I was in Georgia, she actually met me at the one bison farm that I know of to pick up her two bottles that she had ordered. And she was talking to me about how she re- she's listening to a lot of my podcasts. She wanted to let me know she's listening to a lot of my podcast, And she really likes how I talked about um, tobacco. Like she had an experience of listening to me and having some clarity about her use of tobacco. And I'm saying right now, <laughs> crazy enough, now that I'm here with my bison shaman, <laughs> She gave she like co-created this tobacco experience. And I'm like, man, I wish she was here. Like she, she that might have really been a game changer for her. So can you as a little fun um talk to you soon? What did we what was that about? Mm. So what I understand about tobacco, and you know, there's different kinds of tobacco. The Lakota actually used red willow bark as their tobacco and they would harvest it. But we had some just tobacco. I think we had American spirit tobacco. And so what I learned from the, uh, I say Lakota, they, Indians, you know, they, they say Indians, but the Lakota, is that, you know, the tobacco is like the, the connector uh, uh, medicine. And um, it's a very powerful, like the tobacco. I don't want to say other, other like all the other, um, you know, like sage and those humble themselves, but tobacco is like the 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 big kahuna. You know, it has a lot to to give and connect when you smoke it, and that and so uh, what what? It's interesting because bison is the biggest mammal natural to this land. 
correct? Yeah, yeah. So there, I guess there's I'm a similarity. Just, just like, exploring, but yeah, keep going. Please. Yeah, but that's what I learned is it's like the, the grandfather uh, medicine. And then what I we did was we, we honored the seven, seven directions. So there's four directions. So what we did is we, in the medicine wheel, um, it, you, so there's four directions, right? The east, the south, the west, and the north. So the east, the sun rises, that's the fire element. It's the new beginning. Day begins and you turn to the sun as it rises. And that's what we did is we puffed and, and honored the sun, the fire, the new beginning, and then we turned to the south. And again, these are all indigenous traditions have this, this medicine wheel of honoring all the directions. And then the south is the grandmother earth. And that's how we're going to learn what we're going to learn. So it's if you're born and then you start to learn, you know, it's your, your beginning when you're a child. And then uh, you turn to the west, that's the water element. That They say the thunder beings come from the west. And that's like in our 40s, that's when we start to gain wisdom. And, uh, and then again, you know, watering the water, the water element. And then the north is the air element. And that's the ancestors. And it's almost like when we become almost closer to air before we leave. And then if you think about the north, north, there's where the snow comes from. And our hair turns white. When we're in that part of the medicine wheel, and that's when wisdom comes. So we honored the north, and then we looked up to Grandfather Sky, and honored Grandfather Sky, the ethers, and then down to Grandmother Earth. And then we puffed to our hearts. And that's how we, when we speak from our hearts, that's our true authenticity. And, you know, we all want our hearts to be together and welcome our human family. Have you heard of Avatar, The Last Airbender, that TV show on Nickelodeon? Yeah. Well, it's all about the four directions and more about what you expounded upon, but more in a, like a cartoon-esque way. But the Avatar does so happen to be riding a white bison. Do you, do you remember that, Appa? <laughs> and he would say, yep, yep. What does the white bison have, the white flying bison have to do with any of this stuff, symbolically, enough to make the best-selling cartoon of all time about I don't know if that's true, but it was the, arguably the best cartoon I've ever seen. And Davina and I watched every episode, by the way. Oh, right on. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned your daughter's name because I'm just going to say my other son is Kalen. And uh, our children really bring us to that place we really should be living in uh, the... Um, in the Avatar Airbender, right? Like we should be living in that in that mystical world. So what I know about the white bison is that, again, in a prophecy, is that, and I don't know what um, Indians, and forgive me for that, that when the white bison start returning, that's the healing of Grandmother Earth. And, you know, in Lakota way, they have, I don't know if you know the, um, the um, um, white buffalo calf pipe woman, that's their mythology, is that she came as a, as a white bison to the people to teach them their seven sacred ceremonies also. So that's part of their myth, the Lakota mythology. And then what's interesting, I want to just do a little shout out. So there's a really incredible friend. His name's Chris Lindstrom Rockefeller. And I met him because of the bison and somebody connected me and my friend actually in New York. Um, connecting me to Chris. And Chris is actually stewarding a herd of 15 white bison. And he he started uh, learning about the white bison, and then he has taken it on 
to heal his lineage because his great-grandfather is Nelson Rockefeller and he started Standard Oil and, you know, we know that kind of extraction has, has done a little bit of, you know, harm to grandmother earth. And so Chris as is stewarding these, this herd of 15 white bison there in Ohio. And I have a really cool story to share. So he was, you know how they move the bees around to pollinate. Chris was moving the herd around because the, the white bison, when he would bring the white bison to different places, it would rain. It would bring rains to places that were really parched. So he had them in Northern California and they almost created a microclimate when he moved them to Ohio to his, you know, his ancestors, the land there. Um, and, uh, you know, the land from his family that he was restoring, it started raining, 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 raining. They got more rain than they ever had. So, I mean, we want to, I love living in a mystical world of, of believing that, that restoring the earth to balance is, um, you know, there's things that are beyond our, our understanding and they are more like that cartoon that we have to stretch our imagination because, I mean, they call it the great mystery, right? The God, the divine, they call the great mysterious. And I think when we're living as kids, we open to that great mysterious. Well, let's stay there. <laughs> well, I'm excited. If you haven't yet, I want you. I definitely want you to listen to the current version of Breaking Normal because the subtitles rewild your inner child and set the truth free. And I think it has a lot to do with that avatar riding the white bison to, <laughs> to now. <laughs> and the bees. Since we have, we have not hit an hour and eleven minutes. We're only yeah. We got ten minutes before that. It's funny you brought up bees more than once now. I think one of my other main callings of understanding life forms outside of humans are bees. And one of the things I've learned about bees, for instance, and you, I'm not sure if you know about this or not, or if I under, even understand this 100% correctly myself, but apparently there's like three to 5% of a bee colony that are responsible for searching for their new home, known as scout bees. And they're also the ones that are responsible for finding pollen. But when they go out to scout this new home, they come back and they give a dance, a waggle dance to report their findings. And apparently their scouting out is very thorough and the waggle dance is very thorough. And every bee that watches that will not report that to any other bee unless they go and confirm that for themselves that that is true. Meaning like the way, like I don't know if I heard the author of the book that I listened to and because I, I started doing research on this. But I started to realize like, like bees don't believe in gossip. <laughs> like bees don't gossip. And um, as I felt like I've learned a lot from bison recently, and I trust that that journey is only starting. That's how I felt about bees for a long time. Not only because they're, hey, FDA. <laughs> I believe honey is medicine. And yeah, like real honey. And like not only honey, but like that's the byproduct of bees. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe like civilization has a lot to learn from colonization. Like how do bees do it compared to what we're doing? And one thing I think I understand are bees don't gossip. Mm -hmm. I mean, no animals, trees don't gossip. <laughs> and what what's cool that you said that because the, in the Four Agreements, have you read the book, The Four Agreements? Yes. Yeah. I, yep. I probably listened to it on audio, but yes. Yeah. So um, Don... Ruiz says that um, that they call it mijote, it's gossip, and he says it's like a it's a virus in our human consciousness that takes us out 
it's it destroys us because it's you know it's it's poison arrow energy and so i think about that a lot because after i read that he said you know it's kind of a it's a it's a it's more than a glitch um and you know i think we just get bored <laughs> and and you know we got work to do here like the bees are they're they're making honey they they've got and they and they're you know they're 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 out there just you know they say like chop wood carry water i mean i feel like um when we're truly in our our dharma our life purpose we don't have that propensity to take other people down because that's what gossip is is it's jealousy it's it's um you know it's it's kind of lack of worth and lack of self-esteem and like i was saying earlier when you actually tap into the authentic expression of yourself and you're living out your expression there's an energy right if i'm made to do something and i it kills my soul but if i you know like in digs on making music all the time and that's what he wants to do you know his name is sunfeather on soundcloud and and he says it just it just rocks his world and that's his dharma and you know i love teaching the breath work cuz i elevate myself i get really euphoric when i'm doing it why would i not want to share that and i love cooking and eating really good food with people and taking all the ingredients and medicine and so we don't have time for gossip when we're living in a aligned life and so i feel like it's really important like you just went on fire with this bison your tribal vitamins when we started talking and then you made the label and you bottles and then all of a sudden you've got the you're going out and cuz you're just lit up it's part of your dharma it, you know we call dharma dharma's like life purpose aligned life purpose and so you know a bee knows what it's designed to do and it loves doing that you know it's just it's design but what's our human design what are we designed to do that lights us up and uh and uh you know and then it, these medicines do things like that cuz they're revitalizing our and giving us that that um vitality but you know and i know that to to sustain vitality it's exercise it's nose breathing breath work meditation i mean we're in a body temple and we've got to take care of it we've got to make it feel really good and get out in nature and all that and so we won't have time for gossiping when we're having a hell of a good time right <laughs> i'm sorry no that's great that uh, no uh, that's sorry well yeah that's one thing i also yeah this is all just so this is so aligned and synchronous and coming up on the creative constraint because bee colonies they also travel in creative constraints i thought i, I think it was like maybe 10,000 of them that fit a 40 liter quantity like that's what the scout bees are looking for like a wow. 40 liter quantity and they like walk almost every part of it before they ever give that information and then no other bee even will report that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i there's a chapter that you there was a lot of things like for breaking normal there's a chapter in the book called everything is natural which i think you touched on earlier i think another one it's either a chapter or like a subtitle it's like uh, record your gossip. So it was like, if you're ever going to say something about someone that's not in the room that you think they may want to hear, especially if it's, if it's something you don't want them to hear, make sure you press the record button so you can not 
leak that energy and let, make sure it's because I, I actually think I, I think the biggest victims of gossiping are the ones that are doing the gossiping. Yeah. And then the people that listen to it and trust it, I'm like, mm, that sucks too. Yeah. It, it feels <laughs> crummy, doesn't it? Yeah. When you start talking about other people, you know what I say is imagine the person sitting next to you. How would that, how would they feel if what you're saying, they're sitting right there and it's like, yeah, not so good. And so it's like, um, it's funny because if ever even thoughts come in, sometimes you know how the ego, our mind will think negative thoughts about people and, you know, kind of push them down a bit. And whenever I catch my mind doing that, that I'll say something really positive about the person or, or you know, say, you know, uh, cleanse my mind of this and may I wish them well and I bless them and wish them for all happiness. Because it always is doing that human mind, you know, we, we're competition, you know, somebody's purports to have a better life than I do. And then my mind's going to start, you know, ah, I wish they wouldn't have, but like, how does that make me feel? It doesn't make me feel good. So, you know, it's just, yeah. And so let's be more like, you yep. know, nature doesn't have time to do that. Like the tree, man, it's making oxygen for us, man. It's not over cool. there just talking smack. <laughs> It's so damn busy making my oxygen and man, thank you. I mean, thank you trees. Oh my God. Like, I mean, that's the beauty of when you do the breath work and you do these practices of meditation and mindfulness. And then you go out and you're like, whoa, like everything is working on my behalf. Okay. Right? I think I know how to wrap this up in the last two minutes. I think I, I do believe in like competition is cooperation in this deepest level when you're like pulled out perspective, like for instance, you know, the uh, trust the strongest sperm wins. It's like, I don't think anyone thinks that like, I hope my sperm are not competitive today. If I'm trying to make a baby, like she's, no, that's not how it works. And there, there are these apex predators and that's like another, that came up earlier. And that's like one of the things that I have, like I made a sticker of, like uh, you are the ultimate predator, like, eat like one. And um, how does that fit into you with, um, because I think it's like, it's easy to get lost, especially with like avatar shows of in the mysticism of like a white flying bison and who oh, it's easy to get triggered in the middle of like a hunt. If someone's going to be killing an animal with their own hands or with like a weapon that's just between them and then what that means and to like cut out the organs of that animal, because when, you know, you're talking about the tobacco ceremony with that immediately brought up for me. And you said the big kahuna earlier in the conversation, I immediately remember the ceremony I had before doing this hunt in Hawaii with dogs for hogs in the jungle. And I remember that tobacco ceremony and I'm like, I think, remember thinking like, this is important that we're doing this. Because what I got myself into next was wild beyond understanding. But I, I have interviewed Rafe Kelly a few times. If you want to hear more about that interview, you can look at my interviews with Rafe Kelly. But yeah, I'm curious about how does this fit in with the apex predator and the reality that like, yeah, it's beautiful to think about millions of bison roaming free without fences. And at the same time, the same people that were in harmony with that would probably have not only no problem with killing one of these animals and having maybe eating the heart raw or whatever it means, providing for the whole family in a way that we just don't understand because the USDA and all this stuff, um, the reality of that. I just wanted to know as a little closing ceremony. Yeah, well, I think the reality is to see, feel, and experience that we have restored the biodiversity and the web of life, not just bison, the wolves, um, 
you know, the mountain lion and all that, because we are tied into this web of life. And when, when we destroy it, we destroy ourselves. And so they say, feel, see, and experience as though it's real. So I like to share with people that we can live in unity with all these creatures. We can bring back these vital creatures that, that are a part of us. And so it's the only limitation is the mind and the vision that, that, you know, we're not going back to live, you know, in teepees and all that. But, but what, what did we destroy when we, when, when that part of our past went away that we can recreate in this level of consciousness with the way the world is now and see it, Unchimaka, grandmother earth. It is our mother. This earth gives us everything. The shirt you're wearing, right? The, the things that we're eating, you know, the, the glass that I'm drinking out of. She gives us everything. And how do I, in humble gratitude, give back? And from my heart, and what does that look like? And that's planting more trees, restoring nature to balance, and doing it with the airbender attitude of, the mystical child that wants to dance and dance together. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm happy we have the creative constraint because not only did I break it, but I also reminds me like that I put those there for a reason. And it's probably so we can enjoy the rest of the evening without this uh, pilot gear on our ears. And thank you so much for your time and being like, you know, I've hashtagged myself as the freedom catalyst on a lot of things. And like, you've been a real freedom catalyst for me. So thank you for helping me remember about the bison and beyond as well. Mm, aho, and let's keep going. All right. To be mm, continued, y'all. Thank you so much. Wow. What a journey. Thank you so much, Tara. I'm actually back in Georgia recording this outro. Um, on the way there to Tara's place, I finished the book called The Paleocardiologist from Jack Wolfson. And the front cover actually has a bison on it. And... So many good points in that book, especially for the Tribe Vitamins movement. Um, one being he was talking about the dangers of supplementing on zinc and how that could rob someone's body of copper. And the unique thing about this bison liver is that it's loaded with zinc and copper, maybe more, in a much more synergistic combination than any other food that you could find. And um, it was so cool. Tara made that elk stew for us. It was so powerful. I slept on a bison robe. I mean, and plus Tara ended up getting a phone call from someone highly involved in this industry and indigenous culture right after we recorded the podcast. And allegedly, he hasn't called like that for years. So something, not fishy, but something bison-y is brewing. And if you want to get your uh, tribe vitamins today while we still have them available, on this next batch, go ahead and put your order in at tribevitamins.com. We have the desiccated bison liver, the bison heart, and the elk liver. And you can buy them in a bundle for a really good deal. But I'm not sure how much longer we can keep that up there. But we want to get the word out there. And we want more and more people to try these because there have been people that have already invested in multiple bottles already. And people are getting results. It's As this is like an indigenous adaptogen. And whatever someone's dealing with, it seems to help. Uh, for instance, my sister's not feeling so well right now. And I was explaining to her how in many cultures, before there were fences and pharmacies and medicine from pharmaceuticals, 
a lot of these indigenous tribes would save the liver for when people were not feeling well, and that was their medicine. So I'm really excited to hear about the results of you trying this, and I highly suggest you get them now while we have them, because the supply chain we're dealing with and creating is quite limited. Some, some people would say it's not a good business move, but this is much bigger than business. This is about bison, and before fences, there were bison. And I trust this will kind of get you hungry to learn more because our next episode is with a, a water buffalo farmer, not a bison farmer. And we kind of break down the differences of those and why some people are confused on what the difference of a buffalo and a bison is. And a lot of that has to do with the Europeans calling the Tatanka a buffalo because that's what they are used to seeing over there in the European lands. And that's why I really think that the bison is a symbol of our wild and free culture, whereas the cow is the symbol of our domesticated, educated, confined, vaccinated, antibiotic, antibiotic, which means anti-life um, type of animal that would not survive on its own on these lands like the bison would. So yeah, get that bison power in you and the elk power, man, both are. I actually suggest if you've been using the bison to start using the elk, and if you've been using the elk to start using the bison so we can you know, get a variety of nutrients. That's one of my favorite diets, in big quotation marks, is eating a variety of powerful nutrients so people are not hungry for food when they're really actually hungry for nutrients. We have a lot of, we have a lot of people that are starved of nutrients and full on food, and we're taking that power back. We're flipping the script. We're breaking normal. Keep breaking normal. I'd love to hear from you um, about this podcast and any podcast. You can please leave a review on the Apple iTunes section and we'll uh, maybe keep giving free gifts out to some people here and there as an incentive. You know, those mystery prizes. We are wired for mystery and we are the frequency of synchronicity. So keep living inside out. Let your heart guide your way and make that mind your slave instead of your master. And keep breaking normal. All right, much love y'all.